service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. Hello. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I was going to introduce myself as Vice President Adam Pranica because I was just looking at my calendar and I have a homeowners meeting tonight <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that I need to attend and I guess uh, dispense with the power of the Vice President and all that it entails. Are you the tie-breaking vote in the HOA Senate? <laughs> Here's how funny, like we had our first HOA, like we had zero HOA meetings last year for obvious uh-huh. reasons. Even though I'm in a I'm in a tiny complex, there's uh there's only five units in this complex. We still have this HOA. We still have the need to get together to decide things. Didn't really do that right. at all last year. What to do about the uh, the the rash of pizza theft that's been I, gripping? Uh, you better believe I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that one doesn't reach the floor. <laughs> that line item. But uh, like had our first one I think in January. And uh, and we did our elections. Yeah. And I, uh, in a classic Adam way, I mean, I wasn't going to turn down power if it was offered to me, but I wasn't necessarily <laughs> going to to seek it mm-hmm. were it to be there. Uh, yeah. This the power of the vice presidency not being like so much pizza left on my porch for me to just grab. <laughs> I was uh, I was foisted into the vice presidency, and then as a vote of confidence. Wow. People decided that, that that there should be co-vice presidents to serve along with me. So it's like me <laughs> and two other vice presidents, uh, wow. a president, a secretary, and I think an accountant of some kind. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 in a group of vice presidents, which makes my power even less subdivided. Have you ever been a part of a of a thing like this, a mini government? I wouldn't want to be a part of any homeowners association that would have me as a member. So <laughs> I've lived in places that were like large complexes and the HOAs yeah. sucked shit. And I never <laughs> knew them and I always knew them to be just shitheads who had bad ideas. Now that I am right. one, I'm in this tiny HOA and this is this is the dream. You know, yeah. everyone, you get to come up with the ideas. You get to suppress questions about pizza thievery. <laughs> I like it so far. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the power has gone to your head. So so here's a, like our first order of business. I want to see how you feel about this. Uh-huh. We have had a... So I'm going to try to give enough information for the story to be interesting, but not enough information for anyone to identify where I live, okay? Uh-huh. That's that's like the, and, the rule here when Adam tells a fucking story. And also not enough information to fill the listener with confidence that you're not secretly a really bad person. Right, right. So what's to come <laughs> is is something that's totally my fault and emblematic of me being a terrible person. So there we go. <laughs> We, we've had a, uh, we've had a walkthrough guy in the middle of the night at like three or 4 AM about every two or three weeks. This guy will, uh-huh. this guy will hop the fence. Oh yeah. Cause it's kind of, there's like a gate to get yeah. to the doors in so your it's, place. It's like townhomes on top of a garage on the bottom, but like you can get into the garage if you hop the gate. 
if you're industrious. Right. But the top of the gate has like little, not sharp spikes, but like, you know, decorative yeah. spikes. You wouldn't enjoy sitting upon it. But here's the here's the thrust of the thing, right? This guy, this guy's this guy has stolen things, not from me, but from my neighbors who who keep things in their garage area. And yeah. naturally, you don't like the idea of a stranger rummaging through your shit. And so the yeah. question is, what do we do about this? Like like there do we do we make the gate higher? Do we build that wall, Ben? <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like this is a problem with the solution. Like, we're not going to install yeah. uh, a loud alarm situation. That's going to be awful. No, oh, that, that that sucks for everyone. Here's what I'm ready to do. I want to go into this meeting, and my big idea is going to be softscape. Like, like there's a there's a part of the there's a like where the gate meets with this this cinder block wall. Yeah. Like, I don't want to put spikes on top of the cinder block wall. I want to put yeah. uh, I want to put some planter boxes up there. Maybe, maybe some nice boxwoods will grow in nicely <laughs> and provide adequate home defenses <laughs> for your lazy criminal. Yeah, that, I mean, because that's like the that's the kind of thing where the person doing the fence hopping that's going out for a night of fence hopping is right. probably just going to walk past a fence that looks like it's going to be a little bit more trouble than the next. You don't want to get dirty. If you're doing all this fence hopping, yeah, exactly. You're going to see the boxwoods, and you're going to want no part of it. What would yeah. what would you propose if you were me? There's got to be a better idea, right? I don't know. You're I mean, a, are you? That's... Someone actually proposed fucking razor wire. Oh come on! That I'm, yeah, I'm shutting that down. Fuck that. No, I I really like your idea because it's like the minimum amount of friction to like like he's doing it because it's easy. It's easy enough to do. Yeah. And if it was just a little bit harder, I think that would be a strong enough discouragement in most circumstances. I want to know a little bit more about this person because I I have a small sample size. Like it, it's happened, I think, three times, but he hasn't stolen anything of of substance to my knowledge. Like he's he's grabbing Gatorade out of the second refrigerator of one of our units <laughs> like like the deep storage refrigerator oh my god this uh this master criminal <laughs> i know i i kind of feel like this person's just an adventurer like yeah let him take the fucking gatorade are you kidding me what is that like 45 cents worth of product from costco what this guy's walking off with a bunch a bunch of olds live here though you could uh just get like a a rocking chair and put it out there and hang out ben <laughs> the idea of a scarecrow is kind of a great idea. Like like yeah. a, like motion light, and then the light doesn't point out at the motion. It points at the scarecrow. You could like Kevin McAllister this thing where you've got multiple characters and they're like automated a little bit so they move around. One of them's on a, a model train set. This is One of them's Michael Jordan cardboard standy the boxwoods idea sucks i'm definitely going for for semi-robotic mannequins with like with all their own costuming and and like actually develop characters this is the time of year to do it because the halloween you know stores are all in the off season they yeah. probably give you a nice discount i like this a lot this is a great yeah. idea <laughs> i love it i'm gonna get kicked out of my hoa tonight <laughs> Well, uh, 
You want to uh, get into the episode that we came here to talk about today, Adam? An episode that has nothing to do with breaking and entering, really. (laughs) It would be a reach. It'd be a reach to draw that kind of comparison as we discuss Star Trek Voyager season one, episode eight, Emanations. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. (laughs) Everyone's so excited. Ben, because they've discovered a new element. <laughs> but what they've really discovered is a jorb, Ben. Because when you discover a new element, all of a sudden you start thinking of ways to mine that element and refine right. it and turn it into your energy source. So I would say yeah. that the enthusiasm is tempered here. There's coffee in that ring system of a class D planet. It's another one of those things that we talk about with Voyager, which is like, is it worth stopping <laughs> being at high warp to do this? The one character that we don't have as a part of the bridge crew is impatient to get home guy just all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Who is low key just humming in the background like, yeah, like, like scan faster. Tuvok barely has anything to do in this episode. And if he occasionally just popped in and said, are we there yet? Yeah. Captain. (laughs) That would have been good. (laughs) As we now know, I have a wife and child. (laughs) You got a little Sulu in that. I did. Yeah. Put a little Sulu stank on your Tuvok. All of my characters Um, sound alike. This is a stable transuranic element, and uh, they do get a little uh, FaceTime from the doctor back on Deep Space Nine, and he says, listen, I know I'm far, far away from you all, but a transuranic element uh, couldn't help but notice what an exciting opportunity for science that is has anyone tasted it (laughs) you can't know the quality of the transuranic (laughs) elements unless you see what it does to your palate (laughs) (laughs) most of the asteroid this is a uh they're they're discovering this element in the ring system around a planet and the asteroids in this ring system are mostly class M. They have atmospheres. Yeah. What a convenient <laughs> situation. No EVA suits necessary. It seems pretty dangerous to have a bunch of class M's colliding in your atmosphere, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of body work you're going to have to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, they so they beam into some Star Trek caves. We get a little Dustbuster Club with uh, Ensign Kim and Chakotay and blt and they are uh they're scanning around there's lots of spider web looking things hanging from the ceilings they really raided the halloween store for this stuff <laughs> yeah imagine and, uh, covering and- the star trek caves with this and then having to clean up after this episode it's never going to be clean after this i know that stuff that stuff is unclean upable yeah it's like glitter, you know? It's just fucking never... You're never going to get it out of there. Yeah. We used to live with a, a pair of roommates, and we were out of town for New Year's one year, and we came back, and they'd had, like, a little New Year's party, and one of their friends wore a black sequin dress to the New Year's party, and at some point, one thread of sequins, like, came loose on this dress, and she was just shedding sequins all night long, and... We lived there for three more years. I never stopped finding at least one or two sequins a week. God, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out that those sequins are actually a natural byproduct of her death. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's how you knew she was terminal. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because uh, what they find is that these spider webs are coming from bodies that are lying around uh, in this. You know, it's not it's not a it's not an asteroid. It's not Star Trek caves. It's a tomb. It's very uh, Event Horizon. This this cold <laughs> open here. We learn yeah. that uh, that these are class five humanoid bodies, Ben. The kind of bodies that yeah. are very dangerous to kayak through. Have you? <laughs> Have we heard the distinction between humanoid bodies before now? This seems like a a new idea to me, but maybe it's probably not. It's probably been said a bunch. Are humans class one? I mean, I don't know. As the numbers go up, does your does your quality go down? Does your does your hog increase in size? <laughs> Is it like maple syrup? Like uh, mm-hmm. oh yeah, the quality of humanoid. The gr- grade A, a lot of people wrongly think is the better maple syrup. That's what I'm in getting fact, at. the the class five is the the maple syrup you want to reach for. Yeah. So these bodies have varying days of freshness to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Some have been there quite a long time. Uh, the most recent one arrived just a few hours ago. And this element that they discovered is the emanation from these bodies the decomposition process outgasses this halloween store fluff and uh and everyone's super disappointed because you can't just you can't it's not unusual for a dead body to evacuate its urine (laughs) after death it really starts an argument right because not only is this element a big downer for everyone involved like there is an argument against whether or not you can disturb these bodies to even study them this is our first contact with this race and i think we should be learning all we can about them wink wink nudge nudge say them all we aren't talking about harvesting this element from them anymore it's it's like can we determine a cause of death and chakotay yep. just gets up on his his high horse about uh about not wanting to disturb the bodies and then that. Uh, he argues with Kim, who basically wants to like get in there and do Y incisions on everyone, and uh, <laughs> and then Chakotay tells Kim a story of trading a bag of sand for a golden statue and then being chased out of a cave <laughs> by a giant boulder one time as being like the main reason he doesn't want to disturb anything here. Yeah, he's like, I've been burned before. Really exciting story he told. <laughs> yeah. How did you swing across that log with just a bullwhip? Like, what attached the bullwhip to the log in order for you to hang your your own weight off of it? When did Chakotay stop wearing the hat? <laughs> So they are, so um, because Chakotay has this past traumatic experience with tomb raidery, mm-hmm. he is suggesting that they not even use tricorders, no, no, no even passive scanning of these bodies. And what, <laughs> you know what the best scanner is, Ensign Kim? Your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a real John Rambo about things. Like I always believe the mind was the best weapon. Mm-hmm. He does say your eyes are the only senses you have left, and I was like, it's got to smell in there. They've got to have their noses yeah. as well. That's what Chakotay is telling himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so they're 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 talking through, like looking looking at these people. There's like some anthropological type observations, like they must believe in an afterlife because they seem to have prepared the bodies. They have their arms <laughs> wrapped in a certain way. Is this coming from nowhere from Chicote? Because like his dead splaining to everyone is kind of revealing 
how much time Chicote spends in and among the dead. <laughs> He's a real death enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's creeping out the whole away team. With all due respect, Captain, I have to disagree with the commander. But they're they're kind of interrupted. It's uh it's space vacuole interruptus because like a bright light appears and suddenly Chicote's no tricorder rule goes out the window mm-hmm. and he's like, Scan it, scan it <laughs> And um and they, they do an emergency beam out that does not go well, Enterprise. If I'm on an away team and the transporter chief is like, I'm really, I'm having a really hard time up here. I'd like you to group together so I can just sort of like <laughs> put a put a transporter beam around an area instead of a person. I'm afraid I'm coming back as a two vix. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Or just, or just like, or just like a conjoined Starfleet. Yeah. You know, I'd rather a Starfleet with two Maquis like glued to him. <laughs> This transporter op, uh, Seska, really has a bad day. We'll come back to her later, but uh, yeah, I, I would just ask Seska to leave me down there and try again later when the conditions are more favorable. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can ride this out. Yeah. Just leave me here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what materializes on the pad is Chakotay and BLT and one of the bodies. Right. And Kim uh, gets left behind. And uh, Tuvok scans the entire asteroid field and says, sorry, no dice. He is not here anymore. This person on the transporter pad isn't totally brain dead. And yeah. because there isn't an advanced directive uh, pinned to this person's <laughs> torso, BLT wants to revive. Yeah, they don't have one of those uh, those wristbands that say what to do in case of emergency. And so they beam... Heard directly to Six Bay. Yeah, Seska has no problem with this site to site transport. I felt like Chakotay's like idea of like we need to be extremely careful and respectful around these bodies is just completely out the window at this point. <laughs> Yet he still rides for it. Before we see what happens in Six Bay, though, we cut to a ceremony in progress. A, a guy in a kind of adventurous looking pope style hat is uh is <laughs> that's the hbo show we need not uh not what a, what is the hbo show cool pope or pope. something young pope we need adventure pope <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's finishing up a a funeral ceremony when the coffin that he and uh, a bunch of loafy aliens are standing around uh, starts uh, banging from the inside. These loafy aliens are known as the Venari, a real dinner yeah. roll type of alien, uh, judging from their foreheads. When they open the coffin, uh, Teleri Kadavid walks in and is very upset to see uh, something inside the coffin there with Kim. He says, That's my five wood! I lent that to him before he died, and now he is being buried with it? They don't make it anymore. I can't replace that. Kajef, do you have a different five wood in your shuttlecraft? <laughs> By the way, is there a Hodgkin's lymphoma that is the lymphoma of a warrior and another one that is the lymphoma of a patak? <laughs> this is so great. This is a great scene for Harry Kim. Buried alive, but not really. Yeah. 
and they uh they they pull him out of the out of the coffin and take him into this kind of like antechamber <laughs> where another dude is hanging out and they're like hey uh so we don't really understand what's happening why don't you just like take a seat on this bed that's made out of uh sound foam and uh we'll look into it we'll get some top men to look into this we have top men working on it right now Guys, I'm just going to introduce you to each other because this is the only room you'll be in for the rest of the episode. <laughs> so that you'd like to get comfortable. His neighbor in the next bed is Hatil, who is uh, ready to go to what they call the next emanation. And these people believe that Harry Kim came back from the next emanation. And uh, what is quickly revealed is that they understand him to be somebody who has kind of like gone in reverse from the afterlife to... The world of the living. Right. He reverse flatlined. <laughs> I got such dad daughter vibes from Hatil and Loria that it came as a massive revelation later when it was revealed that Loria was this guy's wife. So that's how it is in their family. I just like the energy between them was was like that to me. He kind of reminded me of, uh, was it Mr. Timison, the guy that uh, Luoxana was in love with that yeah. had, to go, had to go end his life? They're expected to simply kill themselves. Did you know that? Mr. Low T. Timison. Then you definitely should fix it. <laughs> Lowercase Timison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also meet Naraya, who is the chief thanatologist of this... Uh, facility i guess not of the whole planet right i mean he should be whenever whenever your doctor is played by jerry harden uh, <laughs> i think he's deserving of a greater title and responsibility mm -hmm. planetary thanatologist i see you came back from death oh no <laughs> why don't you tell me what you saw in the afterlife He is totally bewildered by this whole scene and and the energy that Naria gives off is very much like the hostile religious energy. Like I don't know how he does it. Jerry Harden, one of the greats, but like yeah. he's got the smile of a person who has sharpened teeth, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. he's happy to see Kim because Kim can maybe provide some answers about the way things are, the way he's decided to live his life. Uh, but he also sees Kim as a threat to that way of thinking in a way that you can sense right away. Yeah, because like this is he's like, what's up with you? Where'd you come from? And Kim is like, well, I was like uh, investigating this asteroid full of deads. And uh, then there was a bright fa flash of light. And next thing I know, um, uh, you know, a, an angry Klingon is trying to pry a golf club out of my hand in this coffin. It's extremely important that we mix our uh, our about to be deads and our back from the deads <laughs> together in the same room. <laughs> So I'm hoping you two have an opportunity just to just hang out and, and mix it yeah. up here while I go it call my other you, religious scholars. You go through life, you have to wait in line at the fucking 
bank and the uh, you, you have to wait in line to get into the grocery store these days you got to wait at the doctor's office then you got to wait again when you get into the examination room for the doctor and now it's time to die and you got to sit in this fucking room for hours and hours before it's your time to to get in the coffin and go to the next emanation why do you even give out the appointments you don't even need appointments no seriously for this policy you don't need appointments this episode suggests an interesting kind of fear which goes something like these people are not afraid before they meet kim of what their presupposed afterlife is but when confronted with the idea that there may be an answer to this question things become far more scary with the answer like the unknown less scary than the known i think it's because they have a kind of mental framework for what the unknown might be like and he doesn't really fit in it even if even if even if it if he winds up being compatible with it in some way that they can't figure out you know in the immediate moment of realizing he exists it's causing them to question things about like pretty sacred beliefs that they have and uh, this is exactly what chakotay was afraid of do you have any sort of sense for how advanced this alien race is compared to the people on voyager because the episode never interrogates that and i think yeah i think the suggestion is made that like the egg beams people places and everyone knows it so if you have egg beaming technology you may be on the same level as the voyager i think that the the egg beaming is a natural process on their planet though like they say they built the complex around one of these sites i think I think I misspoke when I said that, but like the facility that does the egg beaming, it, it seems very futuristic. It's got like computer yeah. panels and and like a, a system of pulleys that, that lifts the upper half of the egg from the <laughs> oh, lower yeah, they, half. They, you you got to be pretty advanced. Simple machines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me a pulley big enough and I can lift up a really big coffin lid. Yeah, Alexander wept because uh, he had no more things to pull. <laughs> Naraya says, like, when he when he meets Harry, he's like, we're the Venari, and this is our homeworld. And I don't feel like you say that to someone if you think that they're like a demon from hell, you know? Nor do you say that if you believe you're the only planet with, uh, with life on it anywhere. Right. But it... It becomes clear that this may be, like, not even the same dimension. Like, this could be, like, the mirror universe or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. who knows how advanced they are or not. Right. It's so interesting, though. Like, the the focus of this episode is very narrowly just on Kim and Kim alone. And none of the... None of what Kim might mean. Outside of his relationship to the egg and the afterlife. So, Kim kind of realizes that as he's, like, describing how he got here he is tearing down their belief system are you saying that when we die we go to some asteroid and decompose can we stop talking about this i feel like i'm doing something wrong i thought garrett wong did a good job here in like not leaning totally into my life is in danger mode once he realizes he may be talking too much i thought that was an interesting choice because it could easily have devolved into i'm about to be literally crucified by these religious people if i keep talking like that's not really on the table at this point it's a really good kim episode yeah 
we get a scene in Six Bay where the doctor says that he's gone through the standard class five humanoid resuscitation guidelines and gotten this lady back to life. We meet Patera, who is very disappointed in the afterlife she is waking up into. It's uh, not full of her friends and relatives. It's full of Starfleets. Yeah. She's so like, disappointed. Oh, what's wrong with your foreheads? Oh! Meanwhile, like she, what she's having is exactly the opposite feeling from if you or I died and woke up on a Starfleet ship. Like, <laughs> it, would, it would be the greatest thing ever to die. Like, yeah! <laughs> I knew it! I knew it! There is a heaven! Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go replicate some stuff! Woo! <laughs> Can I see the battle bridge? No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe this is hell. <laughs> yeah, she she instead has a full-blown panic attack and has to be, like, hypo-sprayed back to sleep. The show doesn't go POV very often, but this is a good opportunity to do that. You get to be her in that bed looking up. And, yeah, uh, and that's it a wide-ass lens they used yeah, for that shot. It feels super awkward and threatening, really, in a way that's effective. Yeah, it, it makes you feel small just to watch it. Yeah. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Back with Kim, Dr. Naraya explains how the egg works to Kim and then pivots. Like, he's the party guest who really doesn't want to talk about himself. He's more interested in you. And so he's asking Kim about what he saw on the other side. And he is incredulous about this. He wants he wants scanning data right away. He is an he is the exact opposite of Chakotay in every way and and how deeply yeah. he wants to know about about the afterlife. And this interest in studying Kim turns fairly threatening pretty fast. He's like, Harry Kim is about to be an alien autopsy, and he is justifiably scared about that. Yeah, like the attitude that Naria has toward Kim is that he is something to be unlocked versus a person with information. Yeah. Like he's he's not treated like a person at all here. He hasn't been offered any food or drink. I know. They do something very interesting with the camera work at this point in the episode. Previously, the like all of the stuff in on this side of the dimensional divide has been shot pretty level and basically from here on in we're in dutch angles yeah. every time we're with harry uh which so like the camera's tilted the the scenes feel kind of strange because of that and that like that feeling of danger the feeling mm -hmm. of are they going to like vivisect him and see what makes him tick once we understand the bone we will defeat it it's never 10 out of 10 tension but the creep factor from those dutch camera angles and the fact that they're pretty relentless from here on in uh, i feel like is is pretty effective I agree. They're dutched, and also as as the episode goes on, they get closer. I feel like we begin medium, and then we start creeping in as the story goes on, and we get closer and closer to Kim's face. And the yeah. less that you see of the scene, the more threatening it becomes, because you just can't see. You can't see what's coming. Back on Voyager, they are scanning every inch of this planetary ring system. They've found 
hundreds of thousands of bodies and there's this kind of like predictable cycle where these subspace vacuoles show up and deposit a new body and they think like maybe like we can use these as some way to like transport harry back through one but uh they haven't quite cracked the code of that and uh captain janeway is called back down to six bay because patera has woken up and is uh, a lot less panicky than she was before and so uh so she's able to like have a a pretty frank question and answer session with the doctor like so this is the afterlife where are my parents well i'd i'd like some answers there's three storylines operating throughout this episode and i feel like the one having to do with kim is only with kim don't you feel like whenever we're on the ship and we're we're figuring out why these bodies are showing up and all the bangers that are getting dropped like it feels so little about answering the question of whether or not Kim is alive or not. Right. Like, they don't say his name after that transporter accident. That seems to be done. Yeah. Do you think that was weird? I mean, there is like a a logic to the idea that they would just be like, shit, we lost Harry. Well, there's no way we're going to like get him back because we don't even really understand how we lost him. So I guess we need to move yeah. on. But there's it's like such a, a weird tone because of that, though. Like, it's almost anti-tone. Like, yeah, it, like, they, they, they don't seem to be grieving him either. I'm thinking why, yeah, 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 Harry Kim is dead, yeah, 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 Tara's got loaf on her head, yeah, 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 stay in that bio bed. No one said let about what happens next that's what i'm getting at is is like there is no there's no hum of grief yeah in the background on voyager i think that they're just still like kind of wrapping their heads around the situation and it's like it's a first contact situation for them and it's also going badly for them you know the tweak that could really make that possible this episode is a couple of shots of tom paris <laughs> Tom Paris is going to have to single-handedly date the Delaney sisters, and I think we should see that challenge all over his face right? in yeah. the aftermath of this transporter accident. Or just, like, a shot of Tom Paris on the bridge, like, quietly doing his work and then, like, looking back at the empty station that Harry is usually manning and, right. like, shedding a couple of tears for his departed friend. Yeah. Instead, he is radioing down to the captain in Six Bay that they, uh, they've got some bangers getting dropped on the ship, and it's, uh, it's deads. There's deads showing up on the ship. It's a real problem. I mean, it seems like it would be one problem, but it turns out it's a different problem altogether. Like, originally, I'm like, well, this is a stinky, gross body problem <laughs> that then yeah. soon devolves into a what if one of these things just, like, beams into the warp core you can't have that no you'll flood the whole compartment or beams into a person right like doesn't yeah. it seem like that could be possible yeah and and you know like you want engineering to be a, a like almost like a clean room environment and that fucking halloween store spider web stuff is not easy to clean up yeah so one thing that happened with patera was that kess took a shine to her and yeah like a cab driver in a tourist town always pushing a certain strip club at your at your group of friends. Cass is like, I, I know this great little restaurant on the ship. Uh, 
that you really got to try. It's really good, I promise. The cab driver has never assumed that I wanted to go to a strip club in my entire right. life. <laughs> Fucking Cass pushing Neelixes on everyone has got to be super annoying, though. Yeah. And also, like, if you're Patera, like, you are at a, a real disadvantage because you probably never read Greek myths and you don't know that if you eat the food in the afterlife, you'll, you'll never be able to leave, right? Wow. That's that's great. I didn't consider that at all. <laughs> I mean, that's fucked up. Yes, actually, I could use something to eat. What was that? They're more hospitable to her than than they've been to Harry, though, right? Like back in uh, back on on the uh, on the other side. Yeah, no no food is offered to Harry Kim. <laughs> no, and like Hatil is getting cold feet about killing himself to make it to make life easier for his family and his wife is like really upset about this like rips harry a new one for putting these like subversive ideas in in his mind i think the guy who plays hatil is great in this episode he he's like the guy who saw his teacher in the grocery store like he just can't <laughs> process that <laughs> that that his belief system has been totally thrown apart by by kim's arrival yeah and Loria tries to talk him down, and she tries to patch him back together, patch his confidence back together. Anyway, she's like, "You can have cold feet when you're dead." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and totally last words, Kim, on her way out the door, like, like I don't know why you two are staying together. It doesn't make sense for me either. But while you're here, while I have your attention. <laughs> Have you put hair gel in between the last time I saw you and now? <laughs> and then she's out. Wow. She's just a force of nature. Incredible woman. This was the moment where I was like, where is the Harry Kim breakout scene? He's got to bust out of here, right? I think he can feel forces converge on him and those forces are going to be bad. Like, why isn't that ever an instinct? I mean, it is kind of what he arrives at in the end but yeah, it doesn't in it a different way it feels yes. like it feels like he he gets there way after we do and it shouldn't it should be the other way around right like he should be he should be sensing how much danger he's in so hatil in this scene hits kim up for more information about a post egg life and Kim really tries <laughs> to be as non-specific as possible here and it is totally devastating to Hatil that he's not getting the information he wants because this is really a one-way trip that he's preparing for. Yeah. And uh, Harry tries to make him feel better by going, you know what, dude? Like, my culture doesn't know anything about the afterlife either. And I feel like <laughs> when you look at Harry's face as he says this, you can feel Harry Kim's disappointment too. Like, this is the 24th century Humanity still doesn't know what's on the other side. Like, we're just yeah. as dumb as these people, these egg people. There's like an assumption in that statement, though, right? Like, yesterday, Hatil thought that they did know a lot about what happens in the afterlife, that yeah. they had like a really good sense of it. And so when Harry goes like, listen, man, we don't know anything about it either. It's yeah. like kind of insulting. It really in is. Yeah. Yeah. We realize how dumb we are. You don't. <laughs> this is... <laughs> <laughs> this scene has so many emotional beats, and this one is maybe the worst of all. Hatil tells Kim, like, it's really important for me to know what happens post-egg, because uh, 
Because here's how it works in our culture. My family voted me out because they got tired of my mooching. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. And they thought it would just make it easier on them if they had one less mouth to feed. So uh, yeah. so they all got together and voted me. He he says like he's been he's been a bigger drag since the accident. So and he's like limping around. So I guess he's like physically disabled in some way. And and that's like a, a low-key, really dark idea in the episode. Like the second you're not a You're not a contributor. Yeah. Like it like this is like a very like Ayn Rand society that Harry Kim has found himself in. Right. Right. And when we see him later without a shirt, he he looks pretty emaciated and like compared to a human, I guess. Yeah. It's unclear whether or not that's just how these dinner rolls look. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's a real bummer of a story, and it really makes you hate Hatil's family for putting him in this situation. I mean, you're definitely yeah. not on Team Loria after this, that's for sure. I've got to get that platinum, get that low enlargement. <laughs> One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. 
Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that Latin Are you planning a heist? Gold. Patera has like a pretty big freak out at, uh, at Neelix's when she goes there with Cass and... It's it's kind of the the second wave of the freakout she had when she first woke up, which is like really starting to process the fact that she will never see another member of her species. She won't, you know, she's not reconnecting with her beloved dead uh, relatives. She's not like getting the questions she had about the meaning of life answered. Does her freakout have anything to do with the fact that they're eating cot? <laughs> <laughs> and kind of a lot of it. <laughs> That was a, a very interesting dish. It was like it was like red liquid in the bottom of a snifter, but then there was like a little tea strainer with, with the sticks in it. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It didn't look appetizing to me. I'll tell you that much. No, it didn't. Did uh, you know? You eat with your eyes first, Neelix. Yeah. Work on that presentation a little there, bub. Neelix is like I've done some research on on 20th century Italian restaurants. And uh, they really love those long, dry, awful breadsticks. <laughs> you know, the kind that are really good for nothing. The kind that like don't really soak up olive oil and you like see them at the table and you're like, huh, I kind of wish there had just been a basket full of bread like a normal restaurant. You know what would really improve this long, skinny breadstick? Any seasoning at all. <laughs> Even some salt would have been nice. <laughs> Too late to salt these breadsticks. Nothing will stick to them. Am I am I supposed to stick this dry breadstick into my mouth and then withdraw it and then <laughs> and then shake the salt shaker on top of it in order to season this breadstick? Is that what this Italian restaurant is suggesting? <laughs> Should I just do bits like I have a very long cigarette with this? Because that's about the best idea I have for what to do with this breadstick. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. I always get a third of the way through this breadstick and I don't want to finish it. I just want to set it down next to my utensils and then my napkin gets covered with those sharp breadstick crumbs. It's never the yeah. same after that. It sucks. Yeah. So they have a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And the idea is that what if we could find a way to recreate the transporter accident that lost us our Harry with Patera and we send her back through one of these vacuoles with a subspace transponder and somehow use that to like piggyback Harry Kim's transporter signal and beam him back into our reality. 
They don't have to work very hard to convince Patera of this at all. I've already been dead once and I'm prepared to die again if necessary. Like everyone agrees that the idea is interesting, but it's extremely dangerous. And Patera's like, uh, don't worry about me. You can't kill me because I'm already dead. <laughs> And then this episode really clips from here. Like, they prep her for the transporter. We got Chakotay and BLT scanning for vacuoles because there's a there's a bit of synchronization that needs to happen between the transporter and the awful transporter operator, who I don't trust at this point at all, is back <laughs> on the scene, back for redemption. And then yeah. I love this direction. Janeway pushes Patera onto the transporter pad. Did you see this? Oh, I didn't. I missed that. No going back now, Patera. <laughs> <laughs> She's seen too many kids on diving boards before in her life. Cause there's nothing in this world to stop me worrying about that girl. And Seska, the Maquis transporter chief, eats shit again on the transport. The vacuole is shutting down. I can't get her pattern through. Abort the procedure. Pull her back. I would begin to suspect that it's operator error instead of vacuole. Yeah. If I'm trying to, to assign blame here. And I am. Or perhaps something more more sinister at play. Who knows? Yeah. So, uh, Seska can't make it happen. Patera is beamed out momentarily before coming back covered in Halloween store. And uh, she's dead. And then there's a beat... And Janeway goes, all right, beam her onto a random asteroid. <laughs> it doesn't matter which one. Don't beam her into a vacuole and do like a, like, and put a post-it on the subspace transponder that says, turn me on or something like that. If I can't make coffee out of her emanations, I have no need for her. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee's for closes only. Back in the other reality, Harry is being told, like, hey, listen, we need to take you to an undisclosed location. This uh, death place is uh, is not secure enough, and the fact that you represent a shattering of our understanding of the afterlife is really starting to freak some people <laughs> out. <laughs> so this is actually as much for your own protection as it is for anything else. And we happen to have built this facility using a bunch of decorative stones. <laughs> <laughs> we only found out later that they were holy stones with special prayers associated with them. We felt terrible. They're perfect for throwing at heretics. I see it all the time. <laughs> These stones are going to like you. <laughs> So he's like, basically like the 16 passenger van is just pulling up downstairs and we're going to call you when it's ready. That's such go. a great call. Like the classic church van is ready to go. The one that has so much van hanging out over the rear axle. There's like four rows of van. How is yeah, that possible? Too, too much van. Uh you take out like the back two rows of seats to put in luggage and you still got like a lot of room for passengers. Sometimes like the airport shuttle will buy those vans. And if you ever have to take one of those, it's like such a fucking pain in the ass because the only seat open is in the back and you got to climb over four rows of middle-aged parents yeah, who are just yeah. not moving. A couple, uh, one of the Max FunCon Easts, I rented a van like that because I had to like take a few people up to the con mm -hmm. and I took out the back row of seats to like 
make room for luggage and I left it in my apartment. I like took the the whole back row of seats and like left it in the living room of my apartment. That's great. And the the con was cut short because there was a hurricane like about to hit the the east coast or or maybe it wasn't cut short but anyways like when i like left i like we were we were in a bit of a panic because there was like a storm bearing down on on brooklyn and i went and returned the van at like laguardia airport and they were like um where's the back seats and i was like fuck (laughs) (laughs) and so with like literally like like an hour and a half before the the car dealer the the rental before place the shut storm down. surge comes yeah like before they shut down for the storm i had to like hop in a cab go back to my apartment and like get the back row of seats and then like put them in the back of a cab <laughs> i did not expect that to be your course of action why didn't you take the van back they wouldn't let me it was like do and so they were like we won't charge you if you go get the seats but that's a, that's your problem not ours wow yeah i had that's to like insane. i had to hail a big enough cab to like to, to accommodate I, I was fortunate to to hail a van cab and uh i made it happen but it was uh it was it was a scramble i don't i can't believe a cab ever picked you up and and would agree to have two van seats put into it. Yeah, like, hey, you mind just idling the engine out here and then taking me right back to where you picked me up? I mean, it was a great deal for the cab rider driver because he got like three airport runs out of one hail. Like, that's right. And plus, that was on uh, Maximum Funds tab, so uh, that wasn't coming no, out of I pocket. Paid. It for was you. that was my fuck up. I did not charge. I did not oh, charge geez. the mothership for that. Come on. <laughs> Now Adam's mad on my behalf. Max FunCon East was, has always been kind of haunted then, huh? With, yeah. With it being cut short from a hurricane and also the place burning down. <laughs> yeah, the hotel burned to the ground Man. a couple years ago. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. Back in the one room where Hatil and, <laughs> and Harry Kim are hanging out, uh, Hatil starts wrapping his body with a death shroud. And he feels obligated to put on this show for his family. This is maybe the saddest part of his story, is that he doesn't believe, but he's going to do it anyway. When my father put this on, there was no doubt in his mind about where he was going. And I wish I liked Loria more up until this point. Like, because if I did, I feel like I could get on Hatil's level a little easier. But the entire time, Loria has been, like, really pushy with him getting into the egg and it's what yeah. makes this feel bad when she when seems a little too happy that he is he is yeah. shuffling loose this mortal coil and yeah. and so like what what they come up with is like this shroud is perfect because nobody will know that it's actually me harry kim inside the shroud you go live with your uh, your hippie friends up in the mountains and like live a quiet rest of your life and die without your family ever knowing that it wasn't you in the cenotaph. Meanwhile, I get to go back to my reality and, you know, with any luck, my ship will, uh, will still be puttering around the asteroid field going, where's Harry? Did you think Kim was going to get away with this plan when it was, when it was hatched? I'm like, this is, (laughs) this is too fucking easy. Also like, They're gonna like Harry Kim is gonna wander out to the egg, and his family's gonna be like, "Boy, uh, how many layers of wrapping did they put on Patera?" <laughs> yeah, this guy's really filled out in his <laughs> final minutes of life. <laughs> 
<laughs> also, like this episode, you could tell had zero budget at all. I really wanted to see Hatil up in the mountains at, yeah. at some point because this is the last time you see him. What if they'd started it with him writing like a like longhand in a book? Like, let me tell you about the time my friend Harry saved my life. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, exactly. This is. A- I hope one day I get to see my friend. <laughs> and it ends with the uh, teal finding Harry building a boat on the on the coast yeah. somewhere. Yeah. How'd they find each other there? I don't know. It's movie Amazing. magic. Anyways, Harry do- does in fact climb inside the cenotaph it's really scary in there like he, he yeah. pulls all the shrouding off of his head and then like a clip show device clamps down on his neck i don't like the looks of this at all give me a push a push pop, push, a push pop. and it kills him like yeah. y- you see him die it's good that the egg is sort of concave at the bottom because when he dies like i mean we haven't seen him eat at all this episode but the evacuation is a lot death is the end of this life but it is also the beginning of a new journey and those funereal rags are not absorbent in a way you might guess right yeah i mean intentionally so right because they're passed down from generation to generation and you wouldn't want to wrap yourself in your father's piss rags As you know, I have a very complicated relationship with my father. Something strange, Doctor. This patient left no transuranic elements in the egg (laughs) after they left. (laughs) We've never seen anything like it. It appears that you started your scan a little late. You see, (laughs) I've been here for quite a while, and I've developed a bit of a thirst. (laughs) Dead Harry does materialize uh, on the Voyager, and uh, they beam him directly to Six Bay. Jane Medeseska, there's a body on deck 12. Beam it directly to Six Bay. Yes, Captain. To give him some cordrazine, Adam. That's tricky stuff. That's the good stuff right there. That's the Michael Jackson drug, isn't it? And he wakes up, and he goes on a psychotic rampage throughout the ship, shouting paranoid nonsense and killing hobos. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of the episode. We're not ending there, are we? No, yeah, we we should talk about. I, I really like the button with uh, like Janeway gives him a couple days off and is like, "You just had like a really intense experience, and I, if I could have done my youth over again, I would have spent more time like thinking about the amazing adventures I got to go on as a Starfleet." This scene does not call back the scene several episodes ago where Kim and Paris think to invite Captain Janeway to eat with them. Mm-hmm. And I really felt like that was missing. Like there was, there's a there was an opportunity here to inject this scene with a little bit of uh, of star power that there isn't. Right. Instead, yeah, the fact c- that she like comes up and side sits at his table should be kind of an honor. But what almost. this scene does decide to do is go the other way, which makes me like this captain even more. I think because she humanizes herself in front of him and recognizes Kim's humanity in the process. She's like, you know, 
when you're on Star Trek, you see a lot of crazy shit. And, <laughs> you know, you don't have a lot of time week to week to process the, the thing, the adventure you had the week before. But what I'm going to do is uh, give you some time. Uh, I'm going to give you a break in the schedule here to really think about things. Think about what you've been through. Uh, I hope you maybe do a sculpture or uh, write some poetry or something. <laughs> yeah, carve about a being, dolphin, Harry. <laughs> about being briefly dead. Uh, maybe yeah. that'll be good for you. Harry has, in fact, been briefly dead now. Yeah. I wish the episode ended there because they kind of give Janeway a monologue about, you know, maybe these people weren't so far off with their ideas about the afterlife and what happens to their bodies on these asteroids. Maybe they just don't understand what the energy readings mean. Yeah. I didn't like that part. It felt like it was a little too sweet. Just give Kim some days off. And then and then <laughs> you cut up to the mountains. And then we get Mountain Hatil up there, up there like warming his hands on a campfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like living his best life. Give me give me the Mountain Hatil action figure, Ben. The Painting playmates a, action a figure. Portrait of his friend Harry and Somebody comes in and goes like, Ugh, this this man you're painting, you screwed up his whole forehead. It doesn't look right. Why does this man you're painting have a purple phaser with the beam facing up <laughs> at his own head? <laughs> That's not how it's supposed to go. Did you like the episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. Star Trek isn't really great on the whole at religion, I think, because either you get you get religion as as a bunch of pre-warp dumbs, as as we saw several times in TNG, or you get really beat over the head with all the good things that a religion can do, like in Deep Space Nine and the Bajoran religion. If you take the presentation of the Bajoran religion as positive, which I guess could be argued. This one kind of treats religion as less religious and more just a society that has a mechanic about how it treats end-of-life issues. Like, it's weird how a-religious this story is. It really seems more science fiction-y in a a weird way. Like, more science fiction than religious-based. And I think I like the episode for that decision. I think it could have done better at putting Kim in more in more danger. Like I, yeah. I didn't really feel like the stakes were super high throughout. And I think part of the reason why was because um, whenever we visit the Voyager after his disappearance, no one ever talks about him. Right. I kind of would have liked to uh, have a little bit of that. So, yeah, I I, I liked it, but um, this was this episode felt easy to sort of note. Hmm. Hmm. I think that the danger that Kim is in is established and not exploited and i and i actually think that that's actually kind of to the episode's credit because it gives you so much more time to sit and process death with a bunch of characters like like harry is thinking about death patera is thinking about death hatil is thinking about death like they are all kind of processing this from different directions and and it means different things to different people at different times and I do think that the Venari way of life is extremely fucked up. And I think if more Starfleets had like shown up on their planet, we might have had more, 
more time like like unpacking that like the Ayn Randian-ness of it and the horror of uh, the second you don't you're not like contributing to the bottom line you've got to go but yeah I felt like that was also something that kind of uh, made this episode feel unique um, but I'd say overall I, uh, I thought it was a pretty strong episode unique and good you know what else I think is strong is our viewers that send P1s to each other. Do you want to see if we have any P1s in the inbox? On my way there. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a few Priority One messages here on the show today. The first is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Ever wanted to be Jake Sisko writing the next great Federation novel? Yeah. Or maybe flesh out your Razin Plavim fan fiction? Yeah. Then check out www.scene1.app. Scene One is a simple tool for you to write your words and has helpful features like an integrated Save the Cat beat sheet and an encyclopedia for your characters, locations, and more. It works in every browser and on every device, from a PC to a phone. So if inspiration strikes while you're on the can, you can still easily jot down your ideas. Visit scene1.app for a free trial and use the code SCARVES for a discount when you subscribe. Oh, I love this stuff. This is screenwriting software and novel software too. Damn, that's cool. Back when I used to write at all, this is the kind of software that I would use. And this is great. This has got like your narrative down the middle. And then you've got like some columns on the side to keep your characters and your story straight. Like some, some visual note cards happening here. I love it. Some statistical analysis of maybe some of the words you're using the most. I would really be delighted if somebody used this to create some Razin Plavim fanfic. Yeah. Um, that would really work great for, for me. I, I think it's it's really hard to find the perfect writing software when you are writing for for work or just for fun. Like it can be really hard to like find one that really feels like it gets out of the way and lets you write. And scene one looks like uh, they've made some really smart choices in how to lay it out so that you can focus on your writing and keep track of stuff. And uh, I think writers in the greatest gen audience will enjoy it scene one did that crucial thing about making it on your computer and your phone like if you're not taking it with you if you can't take it with you it's it's difficult to maintain forward momentum indeed uh well uh thanks to them for getting a p1 we also have a couple of personal p1s the first is from jeff and it's to cindy and it goes like this It's taken two years, 14 seasons of Netflix binging, and one Philly road trip searching for Spock. But you finally caught up to Adam and Ben. Congratulations! When I hear you laughing from another room, I know it's because you're listening to the latest Drunk Shimoda. P.S. A Greatest Young Writers podcast would have at least one weekly listener. The Young Writers was a Western from 1989. Man. I am not familiar with that program. I had to look it up. Uh, Stephen Baldwin plays Buffalo <laughs> Bill Cody. Wow. If, uh, if you're wondering about their casting choices. Damn. Hey, Melissa Leo's in it. She's Josh great. Josh Brolin? No kidding. Kind of not a bad cast here. 
Holy moly. Well, uh, yeah, maybe if we run out of stuff to do, <laughs> to do a Young uh, Writers podcast. I hate to disappoint Jeff and Cindy, but we will always find something to do uh, <laughs> more than a Young Writers podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and Jeff asked for the next DS9 episode available. Sorry we missed that by a lot, but uh, hopefully you guys are still listening. Yeah, I hope so. Ben, our second priority one message is from Husby, and it is to wifelet. <laughs> message goes like this. To she who is my wife, Anderly, my Amzadi, from your Trek-loving podcast, Addicted Husband, Nick. Happy 10th wedding anniversary. Wow. I'm so glad that all those years ago, you answered my critically important first contact question. Kirk or Picard? My love is a Here's to many decades more of nerdy fun together. I love you. That's a, I would save Kirk or Picard for like a third date, I think. I'd saved, I saved Kirk or Picard for pretty long into my relationship. And uh, my wife did not have an answer. Nope. That, yeah, <laughs> you, were, that fight. you were smart to do that then. Yeah. If you love the greatest generation, you're smart to go get a priority one message. You can do that over at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Please do. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I'm going to make my Shimoda the vacuole. Mm. The vacuole's <laughs> having the most fun. The vacuole's going everywhere. The vacuole yeah. has bodies in it. It's dropping off. It's got bodies it's picking up. It's a naturally occurring phenomenon. No one seems to care about whether or not it's sentient or not, or working for some sort of afterlife uh, figure. They say it as much as exocomp this episode. Like that is, it's a word that just kept on striking my eardrums over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to Amazingly, look up. Amazingly, they keep saying it despite the fact that the aliens have a different term for it. Right. Right. And like Harry Kim is like, oh, well, what we would call this is a subspace vacuole. <laughs> I know. Quit trying to make vacuole happen, guys. <laughs> anyway, I'm positive that Exocomp holds the record that will never be broken for, for most utterances of a weird thing in an episode. But it feels like vacuole might come close. So I'm going to yeah, make vacuole wow. my drunk Shimoda. What about you? Pretty good Shimoda. Uh, I have a time code Shimode. Adam. All right. Give me the deets. If you take your playhead to 20 minutes and about 10, 20 minutes and five seconds, I'll say, uh, you can see a shot. It's uh, Janeway talking to Patera and uh, over Janeway's shoulder in the deep background is Kess. And Kess is on a, on like a high chair. It's not even a stool. It's like, it is a chair that is so high that it looks like it might be a little bit challenging to even get up onto. <laughs> that is such a, that's such a production trick, like getting people on Apple boxes in the back or whatever, but this is like the Apple chair. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, really high chair. And uh, she's just uh, like sitting in the background, like tapping on this computer screen periodically. And I felt a little bit bad for Jennifer lean having to just like sit there and do that 
probably four takes in a row so that they could get yeah. this angle but then also like such a weird chair that they put her on and i think it's just so that she's like fully up over janeway's shoulder in the in the composition i feel that way too yeah and god after a couple of takes your back is going to start barking from uh yeah sitting up straight that way yeah so uh Kess is my drunk shimoda there you go <laughs> what's up with that high chair in six bay why do they have that it's bizarre so weird well I'm going to head on over to the game of buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker, where I have found our runabout on square 80. That's been the reason this has been a regular episode for us. But uh, what is the episode going to be about that we discuss next week, Ben? Next episode is season one, episode nine, Prime Factors. An alien leader has the technology that could send the crew 40,000 light years closer to home but refuses to share it with them that would cut down on half of the distance right i think it's a little over half right 70 isn't it Seventy thousand that they need to go this could be great for them yeah but they won't share why won't they share you're required to learn as you play roll well danger is ahead ben because two squares ahead of us is a caught in the nebula or no notes episode for us and that's basically the only thing in range of this dice roll all right i'm gonna go ahead and roll this bone wish me luck chula did i win hardly i have rolled a five adam so we are on square 85 regular episode for next installment of the greatest generation fine guess i'm gonna take notes Uh, thanks to uh, everyone who's tuned in. Uh, thanks to everyone who leaves a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it turns out we could really use some more five-star reviews uh, over yeah. in that neck of the woods. Really, uh, really grateful for everyone who supports the show uh, in all the ways that that's possible, be it uh, be it the five-star review, be it the nice thing said about it on a social media place. Yeah. Uh, be it the, the financial support we get at MaximumFun.org slash join. All extremely valuable to us. Yeah. The the support of the Friends of DeSoto is uh, so great, and we really appreciate it. And um, we also really appreciate the hard work of our card daddy, Bill Tilly, who runs all of our social media stuff. You can follow us on Twitter at Greatest Trek and on Instagram at Greatest Trek and now on Twitch at Greatest Trek. The Card Daddy. Doing the social media biz in a great, yeah. great way. Uxbridge Shimoda professionalizing <laughs> in a way bit that bit. We, we always thought it could. Got to thank our buddy Adam Ragusia for all of the original music you hear on the program. Uh, check out his cooking channel on YouTube. Adam, uh, that just about does it for this week's program. So we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Another great episode of Star Trek Voyager. And an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that uh, has a bit of a French accent for some reason. Oh boy, this is going to be a throat shredder, huh? (laughs) Make it so.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.